Good morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. We are glad that you are here this uh, Thanksgiving week and that we are trusting that God's going to have some great things in store for you and for your family. Now maybe you heard about a stranger who entered into a church service while the pastor's sermon was already in progress. This guest, this visitor, took a seat on the back row. After he'd been there for a while, after he'd heard the pastor preaching for a while, he leaned forward, tapped the shoulder of the gentleman in front of him. This member turned and looked back at the guest, and the guest asked a question as he pointed to the minister. He said, how long has he been preaching? Well, the member looks back and says, well, for about 40 years, I think. Very well, said the guest. I believe I'll stay. By this time, he's probably about finished. So the message this morning, thankfully, is not going to be 40 years long. It might be close, but maybe not, not, maybe not quite 40 years. We are going to look to the Word of God about a, another, I say another, long-winded preacher. So we're going to go ahead and invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to be taking a look at, uh, well, an amazing church service, except it didn't happen in a church. No church building, no worship instruments, no nursery, no sound system, but a powerful, incredible service. It does involve a Many scholars will look to as communion, as we're about ready to take part in communion at the end of our service. And yes, as I mentioned, another long-winded preacher. But as we dig into this word, as we dig into Acts chapter 20, we're going to kind of walk our way through it, uh, look at some truths and see how this is almost an, an object lesson of sorts. We're going to see some things, I believe, that we can apply towards our time in the Word of God and apply towards our time in communion. So Acts chapter 20, we're going to begin with verse 7. It says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Okay, let's just stop right there. So they're there to break bread. Again, many scholars, many commentators will look to this, not just as in breaking a physical loaf and maybe not just breaking a meal, but the, the breaking of bread for communion. And so they came together. Now, it doesn't necessarily say when he started, but chances are good he didn't start at 1130. So it says, uh, you know, he was intending to leave the next day, and he kept talking until midnight. How many of you have about, oh, 12 or 13 hours to spare, and I'll just kind of keep going till about midnight? All right, for the podcast's sake, uh, I did not see any hands, okay? I think if I kept going till midnight, I would probably be the only one here. That I'm seeing some affirmative uh, responses on. So here's, here's Paul speaking. He's going to leave the next day, but he's wanting to, to, to share, to teach, to preach, and he's going on and on. Now check out verse 8. It says, There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. How many of you can see that this isn't looking so good? 
You've got Paul as a long-winded preacher. He's going on and on until midnight. They're meeting in an upstairs room, and that upstairs room had many lamps, heat, lights, lamps. So someone who's going on and on for hours in an upstairs warmed room... How many of you can think that this is maybe not sounding so good? Someone might be falling asleep. Yes. Verse 9. Seated in a window. That's maybe not a good thing right there. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Wow. How is that for a church service? I mean, you're meeting in a home, you're upstairs, your your preacher, your minister goes on and on, and then one guy who, and thankfully our windows don't open up to outside and none of you are sitting in there sleeping, but he falls asleep falls out of the window, the third story, they said, and picked up dead. That'll shake up a service. I mean, that'll pretty much bring Paul to the end of his sermon, right? Now, his name is Eutychus. It's it's one of those interesting, unique names. Now, in, in the Bible, we see many different individuals with their names. Their names meant something. In fact, how many of you, you have gone through and you know what your name means, you know, as you look it up. You you go to the Old Testament and a lot of uh, the biblical characters, I mean, you can go through Jacob's sons, each of them had a specific name based on what was taking place. And you'll see in the Bible, well, they named him so-and-so because of such-and-such. Whatever was taking place in their life, whatever God was doing, maybe it it dealt with struggles that they were facing, and so they gave their child a name that, that had to do with that. And so many of these biblical names have meanings, either meanings almost as to what they will be later in life, it's kind of this this blessing later in life, or based on what's already taken place, they name them. Now, Eutychus does not mean man who fell out of third-story window. It does not mean that. Eutychus, however, means fortunate or lucky. You see, right now, he's not looking so fortunate, lucky, or blessed. We haven't gotten to the end of the story yet. So, today's day and age, maybe we don't necessarily do that. Some people will will name their children based on a trait or based on a meaning or based on something that they like. Others, like us, we name them because we think it sounds good. When when, uh, Kim and I were looking towards the future, towards children, well beyond the fact of Kim being pregnant, we thought, if we have a girl, we liked the name Autumn Rose. It's not that we went through etymology. It's not that we went through all of the meanings. We just liked the fact, and we thought autumn went well with Rose, Autumn, Rose, Andreason. Biblical days, and particularly our Bible times here, there was a lot of meaning. And so we're seeing Eutychus, fortunate, lucky, (laughs) blessed, not so sure about 
that one. I mean, he's sitting in a windowsill, falling asleep, falling asleep during a message. Got my eyes out on you extra, extra today. I'm roaming around. I should have brought the little, little prod or something with me. So he's sitting in a windowsill, falling asleep, and falls out of the third story and dies. So not so fortunate yet, but check out verse 10. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. The verse before said he was picked up dead. Paul goes down, throws himself on him, and says, Oh, nobody worry. Have no fear. He's alive. We've seen, and you've read through other portions of Scripture, we've seen Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, Peter, Many different individuals who have raised individuals back to life. Here's Paul as he stretches himself on this young man and says, Have no fear, this young man is alive. Verse 11, Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. How's that for a church service, right? We gather together. Now, we're starting a little bit earlier than he is. So let's just say we hang out here till the evening, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Somebody falls asleep, falls over in their pew, dies, and then we jump over, say, have no fear. They're still alive. They come to, you know, kind of clean them off, dust them off a little bit, get them some snacks, We'll, we'll, go raid, uh, we'll go raid the animal cookies or the animal crackers, you know, from the kids, get them a little something to eat, and keep going. What a service. So all evening till midnight, Eutychus dies, is raised back to life, and then they go all morning long until daylight. Verse 12, the people took the young man home alive. And here's the, uh, here's the understatement of the passage. And were greatly comforted. I would say that would be true, right? If you had someone pass away in your church service and was raised back to life, you would be greatly comforted. Let's just say anyone, period, who has passed away at any particular point in time, having immediately been brought back, family and friends would be more than just a little comforted. So it's a pretty powerful story from God's Word, this biblical account of what God had done through Paul in this young man's life. So we're going to look this morning at just a number of details and reminders about the Lord's Supper. So last week, we spent a little bit of time on Thanksgiving reminders This morning, as we're going to close our service with communion, we're going to look at some communion reminders. Here's a first reminder for us. We might call it a powerful reminder, and this is the the thing to be reminded about. He is alive. Now, from our biblical text, the reminder to them is that Eutychus, who is fortunate, who is blessed, who is lucky, if you would, wow, It's a pretty powerful reminder of this service that Eutychus is alive. I mean, to go through all of that, 
Think about the situation. It says he was a young man. Was his mother there? Man, mommy would be going crazy no matter how old of a young man he would be. How many of you know you don't outlive mother's care and concern, right? So well, the Bible doesn't necessarily talk about whether mother or father or family members were there, but you can only imagine, if so, what might, the, what might, what might have been going through the mother's mind as she's a part of this and then sees her son pass away. We don't know whether this young man was married. Was there a spouse involved in this? I mean, whether it's a mother losing a son or a wife losing a husband, simply losing anybody is tough. But here's the powerful news. As Paul stretched out and Paul declared to everybody else, don't worry, have no fear, Eutychus is alive. That's a pretty powerful statement to make. Well, in just a little bit, as we close our service in communion, the powerful reminder for you and I is a powerful reminder of communion, and that is this, Jesus Christ is alive. It's not just something that we only celebrate during the month of Easter, during the Sunday of Easter Sunday, and certainly we declare that and we proclaim that Christ the Lord is risen today, but he is alive. And as we take part in communion, it's a reminder for us, it's a powerful reminder that Jesus Christ is alive. You think about the the biblical accounts as Jesus went to the cross. What is Mother Mary, what some of the others would have been thinking about, what his disciples were thinking about as they stood at the cross? And they looked up, and they saw Jesus stretched out, nailed, crucified, and dying. And all that went through, the the, the emotions that went through their, their minds and through their hearts, and then through those next several days until that time, when a handful went to the tomb, the stones rolled away. And the angel declares, the one you're looking for is not here. He is risen. He's alive. He's not buried in the grave. He's not buried in the tomb. He's not wrapped up. He's living. He is alive. See, when you declare he's alive, it means something because it means that something else has happened to make you doubt that, right? I mean, if we come up alongside and we say, hey, Brian's alive, everybody, you'd say, yeah, Brian is. It really doesn't mean that much because we already assume that he is. When you say someone is alive, Eutychus was declared to be alive. Jesus was declared to be alive. It means something. Why? Because they had died. And this is the powerful reminder. It's the power of God raising Eutychus back to life. The power of God raising Jesus Christ back to life. 
It's the reminder that Jesus is alive. No one else, no other leader of any other religion lives. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And so as we read this account of Eutychus in Acts chapter 20, they were celebrating with this powerful news that Eutychus is alive. In just a few moments, in a few minutes as we celebrate together, when we take part in communion, we will celebrate the powerful fact that Jesus is alive. We point you to Jesus. Second, along with the powerful reminder that he's alive, we've got a practical reminder that we can be comforted. Again, that, that understatement of a verse, verse 12, when it says that they took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted, they, they received comfort, that's an understatement. A young man who had fallen out of a third-story window was taken up dead and brought back to life. Yes, there was going to be comfort there. There's a miracle. That was an incredible need that was met as God, through Paul, raised him back to life. You and I have the opportunity of receiving our needs met through Jesus Christ being comforted when it comes in loss when you and I do lose a a family member or a friend or someone that is near and dear to us we can be comforted Jesus Christ seeks to provide that the Holy Spirit was sent to be that comforter in our lives As we go through difficulties in physical situations and in the battles that that many have had and, and seeing doctor after doctor and procedure after procedure and test after test, we can be comforted. We can receive comfort and strength and encouragement from a healing God, from a providing God, from a peace giving God. We can be comforted. Most of all, we can be comforted because we have a brand new start. If we've given our life to Jesus Christ, we have that comfort of a fresh, new, you might call it a do-over. On the playground, as a child, maybe you've yelled those words, do-over. What does that mean? Somebody messed up. I get to go again. I get to do it again. Sometimes we yell do-over a little too many times, right? If you're playing kickball and, and you, know, you kicked it and it wasn't quite the right kick, maybe you yelled do-over because they caught it. The do-over means whatever just took place now, we're going to do it over as if that never happened. Give me another chance. Give me another try. I want to shoot that free throw again. I want to be up to the plate. I want to be up to bat with one more hit. One more down in football. Whatever the case might be, a do-over means a fresh start. Aren't you thankful for that from God? We can look back to our lives before Christ. Each and every one of us, Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We have messed up. 
We've said things we shouldn't, done things we shouldn't, and on and on and on. We've got a whole list of things that we've taken part in. But when we come to Jesus Christ and we ask him to cleanse and to forgive us of our sins, he gives us that brand new start. He gives us that do-over because he takes the sins, he washes them away, he cleans them away and forgives us brand new. It's as if we had not done those sins. We've got that cleansing. We've got that forgiveness. It's a spiritual do-over. Man, I am thankful for that. I can be comforted with that, that the, the stuff I've done in my past can be cleansed and forgiven and made new when I come, when I surrender, and when I ask him to forgive me. If you have done that, you can be comforted as well. Because the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. What we earn as a result of our sin is death, but the gift of God is life. Eutychus fell out of the window and received death. Yet through the power of God was raised back to life. Brand new start, a do-over of sorts sort of like what it has taken place in our lives. We are dead to sins, but we are made alive through Jesus Christ. Be comforted. We have freedom. We have cleansing. We have forgiveness. We have the opportunity of healing in our bodies, wisdom, guidance, and direction in our lives. It's a very practical reminder. The things that you and I are faced with on a daily basis physical, financial, relational, spiritual, emotional, needs of, of guidance and direction, all of those needs can be given to us through Jesus Christ. Be comforted as we receive that from him. Finally, this morning, as we look in this particular biblical account and we look to what communion offers for us, we see it's a very personal reminder to have communion, have fellowship, have that time of being together. What did they do after this took place? He falls out of the window dead. He's raised back to life. They break bread, they fellowship, and spent hours more time together. They were building one another up, encouraging teaching, preaching, speaking. They were at it until dawn, until the, the daylight came. Now, that's the challenge, right? Treasuring the Word of God and treasuring the fellowship of godly believers more than sleep. That's a sacrifice, right? Giving up the comfort of the bed to hang out together, fellowship together, look to God's word together, break bread together. It's a very personal reminder to have communion. See, we weren't created to do life alone. We were created to be in fellowship, in community, one with another as we learn and grow together in him. What we're about to do as we break bread together, as we take part in communion together, 
is we'll remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The powerful nature that he is alive. And we celebrate the fact that he has the opportunity because of his shed blood, because of his death upon the cross, the power over sin and hell and death in the grave, he has the opportunity to heal and to guide, to direct, to, to meet our needs. But we're going to take part in this together. As we gather together, as we are worshiping together, as we're hearing God's word together, hopefully learning and growing together, fellowshipping together, it's a reminder about that. Not just that we might spend time growing together, but a reminder about communion with, fellowship with, time spent with God. It's that reminder to make sure that we make time for God. As communion was taught and as it was passed on and in just a few moments as we look to Corinthians and how Paul writes about what Jesus did, he says, as often as you do it, we do it in remembrance of him. So when we spend time together, it's encouraging us to remember what Jesus Christ has done. But it also encourages us to make sure that we have communion, that we have fellowship, not just one with another, but fellowship, communion, relationship, time spent together, us with God. We're closing out the year. We are here in November. December is right around the corner. We've been encouraging you throughout the year long to get into God's word, read God's word. To maybe read through, for some of you to read through the entire Bible in a year. Maybe some of you have taken on that challenge. Maybe some of you have, have sought to read the entire New Testament in a year or the Old Testament in a year. Or maybe as well you've grabbed some of those daily devotionals. Next week we'll have the, the next quarter, the December, January, February one out. A free daily devotional get you into God's word, spending some time reading, connecting, praying with God, it's that reminder. Have communion. It's that reminder. Connect with God on a regular basis. Not just fellowshipping one with another. And we had some time in that last Sunday. Sometimes we have time before or after a service or outside of a church time together. Fellowshipping one with another is excellent, Let's not forget to fellowship with, connect with, and spend time with God. He desires that relationship with us. As we commit to him, or for some maybe to recommit in that walk with him, to grow in, in our life as a disciple of Christ, a son or a daughter, I trust that you have a walk with God. If not, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to respond. But as we close out our service in these next few minutes and moments, I want to encourage some reminders. We are now in the week of Thanksgiving. We had Thanksgiving reminders last Sunday. As we prepare our hearts for communion, let us remember the powerful fact that Jesus Christ is alive. This isn't something that we do on a regular basis, and, and we try to do that every month. We don't just do that to, 
to honor the memory of somebody who passed away many years ago. We look back and we see, yes, Jesus died, but Jesus rose again. He is alive and he will return soon for you and I. It's a powerful reminder Jesus is alive. It's a very practical reminder. We can be comforted. We can receive what is needed in our lives because of him and because of his power. And then very personally, it's a reminder to to have communion one with another and communion and fellowship with the Lord.